Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk to award-winning author and literacy advocate, Karu Papritz. He is a five-time award-winning author of the best-selling and critically acclaimed book, The Legacy Letters. In fact, he was the first author to win awards for the same book in both fiction and nonfiction categories. He is a determined Renaissance man in an age that lauds the specialist. Carew is fascinated with the human condition and chronicles it by immersing himself in all of its endless variations. Enjoy this interview. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm good, man. What's going on? I'm, I'm here just uh, checking out all the stuff. Gosh, I didn't realize you were... I'm in really great company with all these, these jazz musicians. That's, that's darn cool. Right on. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, I, I, let me tell you. In all of the walks of life that I've been down in my life, I've never yeah. found a more wondrous group of people than jazz musicians. They're brilliant. Oh, yeah. They're grounded. The ego, it's like the higher up the food chain you go, it's like, it, it's like some like secret society I, I accidentally ran into, you know, because I'm a recovering sports journalist. So when I got out, <laughs> <laughs> I got out and, you know, that world is just like, you know, it's, it's a whole different place. Right. Oh, my so, gosh. Right, right. Alive. <laughs> so walking into jazz cast has been wondrous. And, um, yeah, so anyway, no, and you, your story, your background is, is, is wonderful. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, digging into your life and, and, and what you're doing and, and all of the wonderful things that you've been doing. Sounds good, Joe. I sure appreciate it. And bear with, I've got a little bit of a summer head cold, so I've got tea, I've got all this. I'll try to keep the <laughs> to a minimum, but... Uh, oh, it's all good. All right, sounds <laughs> I, great. I, I actually, during the whole COVID thing, I really welcomed, like, helicopters and sirens and things that would add kind of that, you know, that, that element to it, because, you know, that's just the way our lives have been. Absolutely, isn't it? Oh, that's so funny. Hey, where are you out of, by the way? Where's 816? It's uh, Kansas City, Missouri. I'll be darned. That's great. Good yeah. deal. Yeah. So where, where are you at exactly? Um, south of Tucson. A place okay, called Green cool. Valley. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that part of the world. I mean, from, you know, the Arizona, California, all of that. People in the Midwest have like these Steven Spielberg dreams with bright yellow and sunshine when we hear about places like that. Isn't that funny? It's so true. And, you know, and having worked in those worlds and... You know, it's 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 inter- it's interesting to dip in and out of them. I mean, it's uh, which I've done in my life. So it's um, but you're right, Steven Spielberg dreams. That's for sure. <laughs> so speaking of COVID, how did you do as a creator, an artist, and somebody that is used to getting out and 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 meeting with people? How did you cope over those two years? I th- it, it it was okay. I mean, I, I was more concerned for all the people that I knew around the country and. I think I was much more, um, you know, I was hearing about more deaths and more people getting, you know, in, as opposed to in our area, which didn't really happen much. So, you know, on a bigger picture, and I'm always, I like to be a big picture guy, so I'm looking at everybody in, in the world and, of course, the divisiveness and trying to find a way through that and uh, and get different messages out. Um, um, my family did fine. Everyone came through, you know, unscathed. My wife was a dentist, so um, I ended up be, being a uh, uh, an expert in sterilization protocols to help her business and market it on that end in the local school district. So I was called in to say, "How do we do this?" And all, and it was it was wild. I took on this whole new hat and and literally was were helping school districts find um, purifiers uh, for 
for classrooms and misters and I, I mean it was nuts. I mean everything was nuts, right? I mean just just off the chart. And it's so wild to think here we are two years later. I mean yeah. sometimes I have to just sit back and just are you kidding? We just went through this and I mean granted it's still going, but it's it's not. It, no, we just we just fell off the face of the you know, you know the the universe just had a whole hole punched into it and people are like what the hell? Yeah. You know, was, well you know. Yeah. It's while, you know, and I work in a school district by day as an IT professional, so when all of this happened, oh, man. like, you know, we had to sanitize all of the machines, iPads, Macs, everything that we have, so yeah. it was like operation game on, so yeah, it, everything yeah. kind of got thrown around, but you know, the, the, the reality of it is, is that there's two things that I realized about it, yeah. whoever you were before March of 2020 happened was only going to get magnified, and if it was mm-hmm. good before, it was going to be probably just as good or better. And if it was ugly, it was just going to morph. No, well ugly. put. Well put. You know? Yeah, yeah, really and truly. I, that's, you see that across the board. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I, I, like, and, I like that perspective. Yeah, and, you know, and they had a monopoly on us, you know. So what are you going to do? You have to embrace it, and that's the only way that you're going to be able to live. And, you know, I think that, and I know from my generation, I'll be 50 this year, you know, mm-hmm. there was moments, there was historical moments that happened that, that kind of shaped certain things. 9-11 was probably the most magnanimous. But this year, you talk about a global event that magnanimously affected everybody on the planet. Yeah. This yeah. was the moment. This was like the World War II greatest generation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, um, by far. Yeah, so... Um, so what an experiment, you know? I mean, really, in terms of what I, I mean, for the first time in, in probably since the pandemic back then, they didn't look at it that. But I mean, here we were on this incredible social experiment um, yeah. and, and watching people have to. I mean, one of my biggest things was, you know, in, in interviews, I, they talk about, hey, slowing down in life. And I'd say, yeah, you have to go, go, go and then go slow, you know, because you know, we're, we're Americans. We just, like, oh, go out there. You got to get this. And I said, yeah, but you've got to pull back. You got to you know, detox from the digital and all this good stuff. And here it was, man alive, just like th- this was the experiment in terms of families getting back together and all the, the good, bad, and in between of that. So that was, that was fascinating. I mean, wow. And, of course, environmentally and climatologically and, you know, you politically. I mean, it's just, just wow. What an incredible experiment. It was like the uh, Thanksgiving vacation wouldn't stop. <laughs> families had to be together. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's so funny! Man, they just had to they had to, they had to work it out. Um, so you're you're an award winning author, and you, there's been a lot of a lot of elements that go into the book and what you do. But if you had to explain to somebody, they said, "What do you do when you wake up? What's your job? What do you do? How would you tell them?" Oh gosh, I I really hate those questions. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those overarching, gigantic, you know, wake up and, and uh, you know, I, I'm going to go with this. You know, I love, I love to, to wake up early. I mean, you know, sort of around sunset type of, or sunset, sunrise. And uh, I love to get out and just start the day by just, I guess, here it comes, gratitude. I'm like thankful I'm, I'm upright. I'm vertical. I can breathe. I'm looking at the world. I'm going, man, this is a, this is a great place to be in for all its, its, its generosities and faults. And, uh, and I, I, that's pretty much how I live my life and, and, and try to do that. And then at the end of the day, 
I try to do the same thing in reverse and just say, hey, did, did you do well by others? Did you do well by yourself? Did you? And it's just almost like a small poem or prayer at the end of the day. It's quick. I mean, it's just nothing, you know, oh, sit for five minutes and meditate on, ah, no, no, it's a real quick, hey, did you do a good job? Did, were you kind? Were you this or that? Hey, if not, let's, let's try to find a way to do that tomorrow or bring some more. So I think there's always a sense of, of um, wanting to live life to the fullest, um, whether it be in big ways or small ways, and, uh, and really walking that talk. And, and what's interesting, you know, relative to legacy letters is that is, you know, I try to walk the talk of my book. And, uh, and people go, wow, really? Well, what does that mean? I go, read the book. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, let's go, let's go back to the beginnings of your life. You know, obviously yeah. you have a different motor from, from a lot of people as a writer. How did all this begin? Where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Oh, gosh. Washington State, primarily in the Northwest, who uh, grew up in the mountains there. A lot of uh, cross-country skiing, downhill skiing, hiking, climbing, sailing. I mean, boy, you're, I mean, you just bypass the rain and get out there and go. And just a great upbringing. I was actually born in uh, Yosemite National Park. My dad was a ranger. And so I was also raised in national parks. So being outdoors was just key to my my upbringing. And of course, then um, my parents were both educators, and we had lots of books at home. So there was this there's this great mix of reading and being outdoors constantly. Years ago, when Dennis Miller was a different a different kind of comedian, he had a, a joke that he used to say during his stand-up, and it was. Where do park rangers go to get away from it all? <laughs> oh, that's funny. And I, I always remember that, you know. Um, but so I, I'm curious, you know, we all, over this time, this pandemic mm-hmm. time, we all immersed ourselves with art, whether it was TV, movie, film, music, visual, whatever it is. And it was a huge part of us, you know, I think staying sane as a, as a human collective. And I'm curious in your life, mm-hmm. whether it was an album or it was a book, what did you read or listen to that really was a flashpoint for you, that was a motivator that you come back to? Oh, golly. Another great question. I think in general, I love to read. Um, I love to read history. Um, but uh, as a particular flashpoint, I... So here's what's interesting. When I was writing the book, The Legacy Letters, and I'll, I'll go back sort of a little bit in the pandemic. You know, I was working as a cowboy on this ranch, and I was the, the sole hand. I was the foreman on this ranch, and and uh, you couldn't see a light to save your life. I mean, that's how far out in the boonies I, I, I was. And um, at the same time, I was, I was writing this book. And what was extraordinary was I couldn't – I got – like 300 Mexican music stations and one classical music and one jazz station, which were my salvation. So I would, I would listen to jazz and classical music at night, and I love that. I, I tend to find, depending upon my mood, um, jazz later at night, classical in the morning. Isn't that funny? I mean, it's almost like I'll have my coffee with cream in the morning, but I have my... I'll have my coffee black with dinner, you know, if I'm out eating out. So it's, it's, or blondes and brunettes, if you want to put it in that way. But um, that, it's like you can't lose 
with those art forms and, and finding solace or inspiration. Uh, and, and jazz is a funny one, isn't it? It really, it's sneaky how it gets into you. I mean, classical, it, you, you tend to wear it on the outside of you a bit, but, but jazz is just, it sinks in and it crawls around you. And, and I don't know, I, 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 it's, it's the vibe. I don't even know how else to say it. It just puts you in a place like, wow, this is, this is, this is good stuff. This is, um, make, put the smile on my face and, and, uh, and I can get on with another day. So I guess in a very indirect way to answer your question, both classical and jazz were, were salvations. You know, there's a long time jazz musicians all ask about why they love it. And they just, they, they can't even get to that point where they can pinpoint it. It's this feeling that you get. It just kind of creeps up in the, I remember over the pandemic here in Kansas city, we, had these concerts where people would pull up in their cars and be socially distanced and the yeah. band would be on stage. And our most famous musician and educator here is Bobby Watson. And he had a show oh, and wow. I had a, okay. yeah. And, and, and I had a shirt called downbeat, which is like the jazz Bible. And yeah. I'm wearing the shirt that says downbeat. And there's a guy that's over there and he just, he looked like he was at the wrong concert. And, um, and, and like he would have been at a Kenny Chesney concert, which is by no means saying anything other than that just looked like the clientele. And he kind of looked at me and said, what's downbeat mean? And I thought he was kind of being, I don't know, like he, like, I don't know if he was trying to be funny or whatnot. And I just went with it and I said, it's a jazz magazine. He was like, oh, cool, man. So we start talking and he started listening, long story short, he started listening to one of the only stations that he could get at home. And it was a mm-hmm. jazz at night station and him and his daughter totally got weaned on jazz and they started ah. going to see shows. And it's kind of the same thing. It was like one of the few things that he could actually get that he found interesting and he never listened to it. And here he was, him and his 13-year-old daughter at a jazz show because he got weaned on it during the pandemic and it was a wonderful story. Oh, I love that. You know, you just reminded me of something that I, when I was up in Washington and, and uh, as, a, as a kid and I would listen to um, KPLU, and they had a great jazz that, that like it was it went on all all night, and so I have this great memory of the of the rain beating on the roof and and working or writing on something and and with the jazz playing in the background and you know I don't know it just uh, to say it warms my cockles might sound a bit funny but it's uh, it's a, like I said it just sneaks into you and. And, and bakes into your insides. Ah, I it's yeah. I to come up with better descriptions than that. No, you get no. You're good. That's that's your flavor. Yeah. That's that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. in your in your life of getting advice from people, what's been the best advice? What's something you go back to that really kind of resonates with you? Hmm. I don't know if it was one singular piece of advice. I think it was just the the, the, the collective advice of. Um, go out there and be your own person. If, if, if there's one thing, you know, it's definitely I've uh, taken the road less traveled all my life. And um, I think there's a Rudyard uh, Kipling poem about, about what it is to own yourself and, and how lonely that can be at times. But, the, but ultimately, it's the only place you can be if you're that type of person. And, and so... Um, not so much the advice, but if you, I, I made this interesting enough, Joe, when I was uh, 14, because I remember it succinctly, I said, you know what, I want to live the most adventurous life I can, whatever that means. I had no clue, you're like, oh yeah, you're going to take this vow and sure. But I, I really 
followed it all these years, and it's taken me down some amazing paths and some very, very lonely paths. But with that vow taken, I have, um, I've never gone back on it, strangely enough. And I've never feel like I've compromised at any given point in my life. You know, I've, uh, I've married the woman I wanted to marry, um, and that was incredible. And I've chosen the professions I've wanted to be in, and I've done these wild and amazing other things in, uh, with, like, uh, with Project Gratitude and the World's Largest Thank You Letter and traveling to um, the Middle East as a, as a freelance journalist and reporting on the war in Lebanon and then trying out for the cross-country ski team, um, uh, the Olympic cross-country ski team and, and training in Norway with the junior. I mean, it's just this life filled with all these amazing adventures. And I, I thank... I thank myself. I go back and say, thank you, 14-year-old Karu. I'm going to pat you on the back for doing that and, um, and, and setting up this vow for a lifetime. And what a vow. What a, what, a great, what a great run. What is it that gives you that motor that hums so loud? Oh, man. I, there's just not enough time to live. You know? Amen. It's just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think... I, Joe, I think I keep that in front of my face. Like, I, um, I don't know. It's funny. I, that's probably the other thing I do, too. And wake up in the morning, it's like, man, got to get on with it. Because it can be taken away from you in a heartbeat. So I think it's this, this uh, uh, carrot and stick, right? The, the, the carrot is get on with the best of it. And the fear is like, man, if you don't, it's, you know... But uh, who was it? The, the, you, gosh, you would know this. Um, was it Shoeless Joe Jackson? Is it, you know, uh, you're always looking behind you at the shadow that's up coming up on you or something like that. And something like that was a famous saying about, man, you, but you just need to get on with it as, as, because it's, it's coming after you, the end of it. So I, I don't know. I've, I've, I've lived life like there was no tomorrow. You know, Mark Twain said at one point that he didn't regret what he did in his life. He regretted what he didn't do. Oh, God, yeah. That yeah. dude, every time, every time he opened his mouth, <laughs> there was always something profound coming out. Oh, you know? my God, yeah, to be Mark Twain, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, his friends, they, they walk in, and <laughs> they're trying to impress somebody, and Mark comes in, they're like, here we go, here's Samuel Clemens, he's going to lay it down, you know. Oh um, my gosh! Right, and that's and you're in Samuel. You're in Samuel Clemens' country, right? I mean, is he was yes. he from then? Yeah, right. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. He's uh, he was from Hannibal. Good friends of mine, actually, uh, musicians come yeah. from that area. So yeah, it's it's right here in the off the Mississippi. So um, who's your hero? Who do you look up to? Oh, um, my my parents. They they did a great job. They really, and and it's a funny. Thing to ask, you know, you look up to famous people, and there's famous people I look up to, but um, they they allowed me just enough rope to hang myself, you know, and to do it properly. And what I mean by that, of course, is they they allowed me the freedom to fall well, and and also the freedom to explore. And um, it was it was a great upbringing. I mean, even as a kids you know being in the national parks like all right be back by 6 p.m and it's like well i've got 500,000 acres to explore so my brother and i would go out and you know get lost and run into moose and bear and 
this, that, and the other, and build forts, and that, all that crazy, wonderful childhood stuff. And um, and I look back, and I mean, we didn't have a lot of money, but but God, we were guys. We didn't care as long as we had, you know, PBJs and and uh, and a rucksack, and you go, and you and you just have this great adventure. So I, I look at my folks being given the gift of of freedom, being the gift of of uh, personal responsibility. You know, hey, you, what you say is is who you are. So I think the the integrity which uh, of, of of walking one's talk and, and keeping one's word. So I, you know, basic basic stuff like that. And of course, reading and music. I mean, geez, there it is. I've got I've got all the great elements there, and I've passed that on to my son. So I just you know keep paying it forward that direction. And of course, within the legacy letters, is really um, it's sort of an homage to not only my folks, but the people who were instrumental in my life, but they're, but, but it's all um, concealed as fiction. So that's, that's what writers get to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, if you can meet anybody alive on planet earth right now, who would it be? Ooh, God. Um, anybody alive on planet earth? Shoot. Oh, you know, I'd probably like to meet Zelensky. Yeah, President Zelensky. Yeah, we did. Um, I'm I'm so impressed with the Ukrainians. Uh, we did a thing at our school. You know, I mentioned earlier about um, National Thank You Letter Day. We created the world's largest handwritten thank you letter. Um, this was something that came about because of what I've written in the book and what I do with our local school up here. Um, we actually got a Guinness World Record for it, which is wonderful. We just received it this last January, so that's really cool. But um, so they allow me some free reign up there, which is wonderful. So I said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we create a giant Ukrainian flag on the football field, the size of a football field, to start this um, um, letter writing campaign to kids your own age, to elementary kids and middle school kids in Ukraine. And, um, And we've done this before with, uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey and um, some other elements where we would, for example, there we would package up um, material, material, you know, diapers and and toys and whatever they needed. We put letters in there. So there's always this letter writing component because this, these handwritten letters, you know, they convey so much of our humanity in, in such a sweet small package. So. Um, so the the school wrote all these letters, and now I'm in the process of a trying to I'm I, I'm trying to see how to get over there, probably to southern Poland, and to get to a school um, to to give these letters to these kids, and then set up some sort of uh, pen pal situation where the kids can continue to write. So that's um that's what we did this last spring. Wow, that's wonderful, man! I remember yeah. my pen pal in high school. I wrote to in Italy and. Ended up actually going to Italy to see her, and my my ancestors wow. are from there. So, yeah, it's magical, man. I mean, I had all kinds of different pen pals in high school, and and that kind That's of thing. So cool. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a huge eye opener. It really does, you know, pay dividends in your life. I think. I think it's a great. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would. I, yeah, Zelensky's. I just am like, you are, you're the man. You're standing up to the beast. And yeah. um, look at what you're doing to your for your country, and I just I'm I'm 
so impressed with him. I mean, if I could just say, hey, look, there's a lot of us here that are just back in your play. So um, in any way, shape, or form, whether it's kids or whatnot, but that's um, I'm just impressed with that type of uh, courage. And you don't know you and you don't know you have it until you're in the moment. And there he was, and he, he's he's become the man. So yeah, Zelensky, why not? Yeah, totally. You know, and I yeah. keep thinking about how there's all these questions of things that are going on in the world, and why can there be so much bad, and all of this, that, and the other. And I and I just listened to something about Nelson Mandela, and he was in jail for 27 years. Oh. You talk about taking oh. bad and stretching it, and how would he have even known that he would have been? kind of the beginning of a revolution there. He just stood up, and in the 60s, was sent to jail. He really thought he was going to get executed. Him and I think four or five other people were sentenced at the same time. So, yeah, you take that, and it came to fruition. And when he gets out, the world that he wanted before he went in was there. I mean, he comes out. Isn't that extraordinary? Yeah. Yeah, it's wild, yeah. But it took that long. So, yeah, so I think about that with Zelensky. You know, ultimately... The powers of karma will find a way of balancing out the powers of bad and bad and yeah. good in one way or another, whether we have anything to stay with it or not. Um, but uh, so yeah, yeah, you, and with and Joe, with that being said, I think the most important thing is you know so people say, well, what can I do, or I can't do anything. I said, are you kidding? I said every single you know every single drop of water created the Grand Canyon. And I said, you know, it may not look overnight. I mean, we're, such, we're, we're still so much in the thrall of the instantaneous society. Everything has to happen immediately. I said, but you know what? You put a letter out like that, and you put another letter out, and you put this out. And you just continue to put this out. You know, acts of kindness, acts of gratitude, acts of you just make motion and put it into, put it into play. Yeah. You know, as, a, as opposed to, oh, I can't do this. Really, you can. You can. I mean, it's absolutely amazing what you can do, uh, and you don't need to you don't need to move the entire planet. But I'll tell you what, you can just give it a little nudge, and um, you know, a million nudges start to add up. They certainly do. Yeah, so everyone yeah. has a perception of you. Everyone has an idea of who they think you are: your family, your friends, yeah. fans, your colleagues. But who do you think you are? Wow! How long have you been doing this? <laughs> These are- this is like a therapy session. Oh my God, you're kidding me! This is, this is a, who do I think I am? Oh my gosh! Uh, to myself, oh. Sometimes I think I'm just this whirling dervish of energy, you know. Um, and, and people say that all the time, like, "Oh, you're the energizer bunny," you know, you can't stop, and you know what we were talking about before. It's just like, no, I am so hungry to keep it going because what's the alternative? Not? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to not move. I'm not going to not go after. Like, for example, we just, my family, my, my, my son, my wife, and I, we just went up to Washington State, again, where I'm from. And um, usually we do some backpacking or climbing of the mountains up there, but what, everything snowed in. So I said, okay, we're going to go do this hike along the coast. And, and uh, it's Olympic National Park, but it's primitive. So basically the beach is the trail, and it's a 20-mile. We went from Lake Ozette to Rialto Beach. And, and I, I, you know, I usually do my research. Not usually. I do my research on these things. You know, I've done a lot of, of tr- adventures of this kind. And, and oh, this is going to be fun. You know, well, basically it's on the beach. It'll be fun. We'll see lots of animals. Oh, my God, it turned into one of the most difficult 
hikes I've ever been on because we had to we had to cross peninsulas of gigantic rocks and and we had to watch out for low tides coming in and I mean it was like it was like three dimensional backpacking. I was like, holy mackerel. But um but I, I and even during the midst of it everyone says, Okay, you know, we'll get through this and it'll be good and on the on the flip side you know, we'll remember like, wow, we, we did another thing that just challenged who we are and our souls and, and our, our physical capabilities and all that, and we will be the better for it, and sure as heck. Um, not during that time, my wife was saying, uh, next time we do this, um, um, I think we should be considering Cancun. And I said, okay, sweetie, that's fine, but we just got to get through this one. We just have to survive this one. <laughs> So, um, but, um, so I think the perception of, of, I, I, I would love to be thought of as a Renaissance man. I, I promote that all the time to my son, you know, from day one. Um, and, and being curious about everything and, 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 and be unrelenting in that curiosity. Um, because I think that's part of that hunger for living, and and I think that really marks age. I mean, I think that's one of the things in, in one of the letters in the book. It talks about being old, and as soon as you stop being curious, you're old. Doesn't matter which age yeah. it is. Yeah, it's getting older. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think Absolutely. I think energy, curiosity. I really like this brain. This brain took a while to to get figured out right, you know, and and then it's like at this sweet spot, especially of the writing of the like the whole book, the bigger book, which is about it's, it's six hundred pages, plus a smaller one, but but really it took a long time to get this thing to the point where it's really sharp all the time, and I just like, oh gosh, what else? What what else can we turn this brain on to, and what else can we tackle, and just. I don't know. I get really excited about it. It's like this. It took a long time to tune this thing up, but man, it's tuned and it's, um, I'm try, trying to do everything I can all the time and anywhere, anywhere possible. Beautiful. Karu, that's such a triumphant, fitting way to wrap everything up. Thank you for taking some time out today. Good luck with everything as we move forward. It was great to get to know you. Yeah, likewise, Joe. Sure, appreciate the, the talk, and uh, best of luck on your on your continued podcast. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, and music around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <music>